Welcome to Evan Makovsky's podcast. That is me, Evan Makovsky, and I am pleased to be joined on this episode by BJ Talley. He is the founder and president of Gladius Communications. BJ, it's a pleasure, a true pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I've uh, obviously listened to a lot of your episodes, so I'm looking forward to uh, participating in one. Well, it's a, it's a thrill to have you. I recently saw you just celebrated the two-year anniversary of starting Gladius Communications. Why did you start the company and uh, how's it going so far? It's going really well so far. We're, uh, we're really excited. We, uh, we've got a total of, uh, after just, uh, just over two years, we've got a total of 16 members and uh, just recently signed our, our seventh client. Uh, so that's something that uh, I, I think uh, I think uh, it was it was really exciting to kind of hit some of those milestones as, as we continue to build the business. And, you know, listen, after about 20 years in the communications business, I guess I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit there. Uh, I realized there were two things that I was constantly looking for when I was when I was on the other side of the equation, when I was in house. Um, the first was an organization to work for that was a perfect fit for for me as a workplace. Um, and then an agency partner that really got it and kind of knew and could sympathize with what I was going through as a as a communications leader and to be in my shoes as a client. Uh, so I guess after uh, after about two decades of of trying to find that that those two things, uh, I finally decided uh, in 2019 that uh, I'd stop looking and try to build it myself. So was there one specific thing that made you make the jump into your first entrepreneurial endeavor? And if you had some advice to give to other communications leaders who might be thinking of making a similar move, what would that be? Yeah, sure thing. So I, I don't know if there was one single thing. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe approaching 40, uh, I don't know, having our having our first child. Uh, and kind of seeing her grow up and, and wanting to wanting to be able to balance, uh, try to balance some of my, my professional goals and my personal goals. But, you know, I think it was always I kind of always had a desire inside me uh, to take an opportunity to bet on myself. Um, and, and it was that realization that uh, and maybe, you know, maybe I waited too waited, waited longer than than a lot of folks, because, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, just start as an entrepreneur from the get go. Um, but I guess I finally had the realization after my time in, in, in the corporate sector um, that I had the skills to do that. I had the skills, to, I had the chips to bet on myself. You know, I, I grew up in, in rural North Carolina. Uh, my dad was a construction worker and my mom worked, uh, worked in our school cafeteria and the grocery store. Um, so they always stressed to me as I was growing up, I remember, you know, the desire to get the skills to be a good employee to give myself career op career options right they always said hey we want you to you know we, we want you to do better than we did and, and they did great but but they they wanted they always stressed that they wanted us to do better and, and i think that mindset served me well um you know my dad my dad dabbled a little bit in entrepreneurship when he was younger kind of in the construction business but I think success in my family growing up was always always defined as the ability to to get a good job and and to provide for your family. Um, so you know, I guess it just took me like 40 years to realize that that I could create my own good job. Um, and that really made a big made a big difference for me. And, and in terms of advice, you know, gosh, I've only been in this for two years. So, you know, take take my advice as a grain of salt. I think there are a lot of other entrepreneurs out there who've been at this a lot longer than me. But I, but I do think that uh, I do think that that the one thing I would say is to uh, is to try to try to get over that fear of making that bet on yourself. I mean, one of the things that 
that always stopped me from doing this in the past, and I, I thought about it at multiple times in, in in my career, was that you know that that old the the comfortable feeling of stability, working for a big brand, having you know having a personal development plan, um, being able to 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 have a, a team and and a budget and that sort of thing, um, you know, and those things are those things are great, but they also become familiar and comfortable, and so I think you know, I would say just going for it, right? Just give it a shot, try, try, try it out. And, uh, you know, here's the thing, if it doesn't work out, you could almost always go back and, and work as part of a team or go back in house or to an agency or something like that. So I think that would be my, my piece of advice is to, is to just make that, make that jump, give it, give it a try. On Gladius's website, BJ, it says, that um, you guys do a lot of M&A work, reputation management around all aspects of a spin-off or merger, including deal screenings, due diligence, other services include crisis communications, corporate communications, and employee engagement. There's actually a lot on your website around your many, many services, and I'm leaving some out here. What is your strike zone at Gladius and how are you different from other PR agencies? We can definitely provide a wide range of communication services. Our team, we've got a lot of skill sets. But I think for most of our client engagements, uh, what, what's in our strike zone is really starting from that desired business or operational result and working backwards from there. And we always tell our clients that you know when we when we talk to a potential client, the first few conversations we have aren't even about communications. We don't even mention communications early on. What we want to know is what is that client trying to get done from a business or an operational standpoint, and then that's where we think we can bring our unique. Uh, perspective in to say, how do we leverage communications as a catalyst to get that result you're looking for, right? So I think that's that's one of the things that we try to, we really try to center all of our, our activities around. Um, I think a differentiator for us is our team has a tremendous amount of, of experience sitting in our clients' chairs. We've been CCOs, we've been heads of investor relations. Um, you know, unlike a typical pyramid-shaped agency, PR agency, you know, more than half of our team has experience in one of those C-level roles of investor relations, communications, marketing, that sort of thing. So I like to say we're we're a bit more of a management consultancy that leverages communications to solve business challenges and problems versus kind of a traditional, you know, the PR agency model that many of us are familiar with. I mean, we've seen a really strong demand for leveraging communications, particularly in that transactional uh, private equity M&A space, you know, from screening, to the and the due diligence phases, we can help identify a lot of non-financial risks and opportunities that don't typically get picked up during the financial uh, due diligence aspects of those uh, of those deals. Um, all the way to the integration phase, where we can help use the power of communications and effective communications to help organizations that are coming together blend their cultures um, or set up a new public company's communications function. Um, there's a lot of available value creation there. Uh, for clients. And I think when we start with that, what is the ultimate business result and work backwards from there instead of coming in to say, hey, here are all the communications things we can do for you. Which one would you like? Um, that results in a different kind of engagement. And I think that's really what we've tried to focus on at Gladius. So you've touched on some financial services and professional services um, areas that you work in. What particular verticals or industries though across the board does Gladius specialize in? We actually have clients across a number of, of verticals. So we've got manufacturing clients in the manufacturing, healthcare space, 
uh, nonprofits and associations, uh, defense and aerospace, technology, hardware, and logistics. So we actually a pretty broad, pretty broad portfolio uh, when it comes to where our clients are, and and that's I think that's 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 twofold. One of the reasons is. Uh, we like to learn about new industries, right? As communicators, uh, I think a lot of a lot of communications professionals can can identify with over the course of their career, kind of having a different opportunities to learn about different industries. As long as you're a good communicator, you can and you've got a short uh, a, a short learning curve, you can you can really learn a lot about a lot of different industries. So I would say that we don't necessarily specialize in one particular vertical or particular industry or even a few of those. We feel like uh, as career com- communications professionals. We're used to coming into a new situation with a short learning curve in just about any vertical and being able to apply strategic communications in those areas. So we're, we're pretty open across industries and markets. All right, digging into your career, what would be one or two of the most interesting PR projects slash problems that you've worked on that uh, would be worth a story right here in a short one? <laughs> uh, oh boy, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, I would have to say, so I think that two, two, two would come to mind. So the first one is, uh, is a little more recent, uh, is back in, back in about, about five years ago. I spent a year as a visiting professor of practice at American University in DC. Um, we had just, uh, we had just, uh, sold a company that I was working for, uh, and I kind of had the an opportunity to say, uh, what do I want to try for a little while here while I, while I identified my next communications role? Uh, as part of that change of control package. And uh, so I had been guest lecturing at American University in DC and uh, they uh, they had an opening for a, a, a one year uh, visiting professor of practice. So essentially someone to come out of the workforce uh, who's been practicing PR and communications and to kind of be a, a complement to their academic uh, faculty. So it was, a, it was a full member of the faculty for, for, for a year, helped design a couple of courses uh, around uh, practical applications of communications, and I'll tell you, it was it was really fantastic. And I would encourage anybody that has a chance to do something like that in the middle of their career, any time in their career, to give it a shot. Um, honestly, you know, AU has a fantastically diverse group of graduate students, um, which is where I was teaching at that level. And and I'll say, I learned as much as I taught from that group of graduate students, and it was really a, it was really a, a, a unique opportunity. Um, and then I think the second one would be, you know, kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I had the opportunity when I was working uh, working for Maersk, uh, which is the world's largest shipping company, back in 2009. Uh, this is sort of one of those things that you sort of fall into in your career. Uh, I had the opportunity to. Uh, I I did not have much of a choice. We we were put in a crisis situation, and and I had the opportunity to lead the PR response. Uh, to the 2009 Maersk, Alabama, Somali piracy, piracy event. So this is, uh, if you've seen the movie Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks, uh, that was what this what this incident was about. So I, I got to uh, I got the opportunity to uh, to handle that uh, the PR and communications for that event, and that was really a a, a crazy time, um, a, a huge learning experience, and thankfully everything everything turned out turned out well for uh, Captain Phillips and the crew and for the company. But uh, it was, uh, everyone always asked me, oh, well, you know, oh, you're you in the movie? And I said, listen, you got pirates and you got Navy SEALs and a captain that gets rescued. Do you think the corporate PR guys making an appearance in that movie? And the answer is absolutely not. They had no interest <laughs> in that whatsoever. But it was still a very awesome experience and, and something that was really unique in my career. All right, so prior to Gladius, and you mentioned uh, you started it in 2019, so you've had a 
two-decade illustrious career <laughs> working um, for a variety of companies, including Global Communications for TE Connectivity, Maersk Excelis, ITT, Booz Allen Hamilton, and as a civilian public affairs officer with the U.S. Navy. How did all of this diverse personal and professional experience influence and mold your career? Yeah, sure thing. That's a great, great question. I would, you know, I guess I'll start with the most recent and uh, and and give a little shout out to uh, uh, to my folks back at TE Connectivity. Um, TE was a fantastic opportunity, a really great company uh, that at the time when I joined in 2016 was was quietly behind so many of the global macro trends in the world from electric mobility to cloud computing. Um, not so quiet anymore. Uh, so they definitely have, an, have had an opportunity over the last five years to, to, to bring that brand forward. And the team over there has done a fantastic job doing that. Um, but the opportunity, you know, I came in in 2016 during, uh, there was a transition, a CEO transition from Tom Lynch, uh, who, who I had the pleasure of working with for a short amount of time and had been the, the longtime CEO of TE. Uh, to their their new and current CEO Terrence Curtin, um, and and that was a really interesting opportunity to come in during a CEO transition and help kind of shape what that next generation of leadership was looking like as the senior communications advisor. So working with Terrence, uh, Amy Sumi, who uh, who was the chief marketing officer over there and who's now the CMO at, at LabCorp, um, was really it was really refreshing uh, and and exciting. They all all the executives understood communications and really pushed me and my team to, to bring it, um, to directly connect communications to business, business results, do it in a strategic way, and how to use that as a catalyst to help drive the growth that, that Terrence and the rest of the leadership team were really bringing into the organization. So um, that, that, was, that was fantastic. Um, the ability to, to put together a truly global team, um, that, was my, that, that, that assignment was my largest uh, and most global team uh, that I put together from a communication standpoint. And, and rally those folks around a three-year communication strategy to engage. You know, we had 80,000 employees around the globe there. Um, it, we, we assembled a, a real world-class team of communicators, many of whom are still there. Um, it, it is really the thing that I miss the most, that team and having that global team and knowing that we had each other's backs and, and we're really bringing communications as a catalyst for TE was, as I was honestly one of the things I miss most about, about being in-house. Um, and I think, you know, beyond TE, I think that variety through the first part of my career, everything from that civilian public affairs uh, officer role at the Navy, which was my, my first job in, in PR and communications, being forced to learn new industries and deal with a lot of things from, uh, for the first time, from, you know, the pirate story I mentioned earlier to spinoffs, divestitures, mergers, acquisitions, pandemics, uh, you know, company strategy refocuses. Those are all things that that I think having that that diversity and variety early on um, really kind of made me made me the person and the communicator that I am today. So I'm I'm really thankful for it. Well, actually, the pandemic is a interesting story as it applies to you specifically. You started your company in 2019, <laughs> and then in March of 2020, we go into the pandemic, which had to have been at least I would think a little psychologically scary as a new kind of owner of a of a company here starting your own business to to hit that so how was uh your business operations and clients how were they affected last year through spring and summer of 20 and how has that changed more recently if i had uh, if i have a magic wand i don't know that i would have uh, i would have taken that entrepreneurial jump 
you know, five, five, six months before a global pandemic, uh, the likes of which, you know, we haven't seen in our lifetime. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, obviously, <laughs> that, continue. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So first of all, I would get my crystal ball and say, eh, maybe wait a little bit. But in retrospect, I'll be honest with you, I'm actually really glad that, that it happened. Um, uh, that first few months, uh, kind of the late February to, to August, September timeframe in 2020, uh, was sort of what we what we considered to be kind of the shock, right? All of our clients, the, the few clients we had at the time, because we were so early on in the in the in the company, um, everybody just put the brakes on everything. Everyone was frightened. They pulled their head inside their shells and said, "Hey, all right, we're not spending anything. We're not doing anything. All we're focused on right now is seeing what happens here and conserving cash and conserving budget and that sort of thing." So. That was our first, you know, that was my first taste of, of the pandemic. And that was, you know, less than six months into starting, uh, starting Gladius. I'll say that after that, you know, once we cleared that like summer of 2020 period and the shock started wearing off a little bit, it, it's actually grown quite, quite, quite well. We've seen, we've seen company, we've seen, we've seen our, our client list grow. Uh, we've seen expanded work with our existing clients. Uh, and I think some of that is obviously, you know, I think due to our, due to our team and our unique offering. But I, but I think a lot of it is due to the companies during that time after the shock wore off, especially those where you, they've got significant populations of remote and blended workforces, you know, going on year and a half now or so. It's really, uh, it's really driven what I've seen is almost a doubling down in the, in the value of, of strategic communications, both for those remote and hybrid, uh, workers that you can't, you can't sit down in a room and talk to, uh, or walk into the office. Um, but also for, you know, companies that have, uh, blended workforces where you've got maybe a lot of production employees, um, or healthcare employees that are, that are on site. Uh, and, and their management and leadership team colleagues are, are working from home for safety reasons. Um, we've really seen that, that, you know, the potential value and differentiation, uh, for organizations using effective communications really has, uh, I think, shown through and driven, driven, uh, you know, after we cleared that kind of first few months after the pandemic has really driven a, a, a lot of growth in, in the need and, uh, greater understanding of the value of effective strategic communication. So, um, I've been pleasantly surprised to see, uh, both our business and, uh, the focus on communications writ large uh, at, at a lot of organizations really, really bounced back after that initial uh, that initial shock period with uh, with the pandemic early in 2020. So with that bounce back, true or false and why PR services are extremely in need right now is lots of companies. And I, I know with the Delta variant, um, there's a there's a holding pattern as far as going back into the office. But uh, industries are revving back up. Companies are staffing employees is that uh accurate right now i'll give that a big old fat true right that is that i think what we're seeing everything we're seeing with our clients and talking to uh to potential clients and and colleagues in the in the industry companies right now i think organizations at large are looking for anything that can give them an edge in the current labor marketplace, right? So, first of all, the 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 market for for good talent uh, in, in all skill sets, I think, is is really tight. Employees are are are, are finally, or I guess, employee. There's a there's a bit of a shift in that employees have, I think, more power than than ever in terms of determining, you know, the kind of workplace that they want and who who they want to work for. Uh, companies are looking for anything that gives them an edge in that kind of marketplace. You know, many, many people can work for almost any company in any location now, right? Um, 
you don't have to be in New York or Chicago or San Francisco or Austin or, or Philadelphia or something like that. Right. And I think whether it's, it's as a catalyst for growth or as a protection of reputation as consumers, regulators, and employees continue to get access to more information and frankly, disinformation than ever before, there's a huge role for communications to play. And I think public relations, strategic communications, uh, marketing and content are going to continue to see, you know, see some, some, some pretty strong growth based on what we've seen so far just in the last year or so. Uh, I think there's a real opportunity there to uh, for, for organizations to leverage communications in a way in ways that they never have before and help them to overcome some of these challenges and and help secure the the talent that they need and 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 the workforce that they need to get their their jobs done. So circling back here, you just uh, mentioned about employees and leverage and business model changes with the pandemic. You're in Chapel Hill. Can a practitioner for Gladius live anywhere at least? In a, and I assume the answer is yes, but at least in the United States and maybe not for the largest agencies, but do you think remote agencies are the way of the future? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. And I think you, you probably see there's a lot of debate about this right now, particularly in the, in the PR space. Um, so first of all, yeah, I mean, the answer is yes. We specifically designed Gladius to be a location agnostic consultancy. Um, so I, I love, I love Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And, uh, I kind of always knew during my time uh, in, in college, went to undergraduate here, uh, you know, go, go Tar Heels, uh, that, that one day I wanted to come back. Uh, I just spent 20 years seeing the rest of the world first and eventually kind of made my way back. So That's good. I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to build Gladius as an organization that that where people could do the same thing. You know, only two of our clients and three of our team members, including me, are actually in North Carolina. Um, the rest are all over the country, and we actually even have a couple of folks that uh, that we uh, that we partner with internationally. Um, and honestly, that's how it should be. We want the best players, no matter where they're at, right? I mean, we want folks to be able to travel and work while they're adventuring or take care of their young kids or elderly parents um, and, and work when it works for them. You know, we, we don't, that's part of the reason I founded the company um, to deliver that differentiating result for clients, but also to create a workplace that lets people work in whatever way works best for them. You know, we always say here, Gladys, we, we, we want to make sure we get things done uh, and we deliver for our clients, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we all need to be in the same room or that we all need to be in the same city or in some cases, even the same continent. Um, yeah, all that said, you know, I've got some really great friends at some of the largest uh, PR agencies in the world. And I think the agencies from our size to theirs and talking with them and kind of everywhere in between are really realizing the advantages of not forcing people into an office from, uh, you know, people I say nine to five, but you and I both know that it's more like seven to seven. Uh, if you're, if you're in, if you're in the, in the thick of it, you know, five days a week. And, and honestly, it's the ultimate in inclusion as far as I see it um, to be able to say, Hey, listen, no matter what your home situation, your geography, your, 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 your situation outside of work, you know, we want you to be a part of the organization. And honestly, you know, listen, as much as I hate the COVID-19 pandemic and, and kind of what it's done to the world, I really think that broad acceptance or broader acceptance of remote and hybrid work opportunities is going to be one of the few good things that's going to come out of this and stick. 
you know, I think it's here to stay. You know, toothpaste is out of the tube, as it were. I mean, I think you're seeing a lot of organizations both inside the the, the PR space and and all over say, okay, you know what, like, you know, you don't you don't have to come back to the office. We're, you're you're able to do your job really well, and it gives you some more balance outside of uh, outside of work. Then you know, stay stay where you're at. You know, either either come into the office, be in the same city as our office, and come in a few days a week, or you know, maybe you live five thousand miles away. Um, but but I think I, I think and I hope that 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 a lot of that is is here to stay. Um, and you know, COVID 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 kind of forced us into that, and and maybe maybe push some of that disruption up a little bit uh, in terms of timeline. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really interesting, interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out as as we kind of get back to a little bit of pre-COVID normalcy, uh, hopefully or soon. Wrapping up here with BJ Talley, founder and president of Gladius Communications. So you mentioned you recently moved back a couple of years ago with your wife and young daughter. The impetus was. I, it's less recent than it seems sometimes. You know, we, we moved back uh, in January 2020, right before the pandemic hit. So it's been a wild ride. Uh, my daughter's in first grade, just started a couple weeks ago. And uh, and honestly, she hasn't eaten in her, I realized the other day, it's my wife, she hasn't eaten inside of a restaurant since she was four. So it's, it was it's, it was an interesting time to uproot. You know, all that said, yeah, both my wife and I, we've got family here in North Carolina. Uh, we went to UNC for undergrad. Um, and so Chapel Hill's kind of always been in our list of places to live. We just never knew when it was going to be good. Um, you know, my wife, Anna, her role at PBS has been remote for a number of years. So she's kind of kind of an old hand and, and pro at working at working remotely. Uh, so once my career was only was the only limiting factor, uh, I guess I kind of decided to take matters in my home, into my own hands. And uh, we wanted to be we wanted to be closer. We both have aging parents. Um, so we wanted to be closer to them uh, to, to help in, in their later years. And. And, you know, we really wanted our daughter to have a chance to be closer to her extended family. It's something that, that neither my wife or I had had much of as kids. And so so here we are. You know, we're looking forward to fully enjoying all that Chapel Hill and North Carolina and the Triangle area has to offer kind of once the pandemic is under control. You know, and that's, I'll, I'll, this is my little PSA. <laughs> Please get vaccinated if you can. Seriously, if you have any doubts, just ask your doctor. Like, we all want to get back to to enjoying things. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's 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 a great it's a great it was a great choice for us to move and uh, and make that make that move. And we're, we're glad we did. Lastly, what advice do you have for people early, mid-career, coming up through the ranks in public relations? I think the first one would be to say yes. Um, I, I will look back on my career and say, you know, a lot of times I had, I said yes when opportunities came up and it gave me the chance to live all over uh, and, and really experience different places, DC, Philadelphia, Colorado, Manhattan. And saying yes, let me work on multi-billion dollar corporate transactions, you know, international piracy incidents, like I mentioned before, and even be the spokesperson for the United States Navy during a wartime military mobilization all before I was 30. And, and all of that was because I just kind of said yes when opportunities presented themselves. And there were always reasons not to not to not to take those opportunities. But I kind of had a bias for yes. And so I, I tell folks have a, have a bias for yes, particularly earlier in your career. Um, you know, the other thing I would say is 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 manage up as you're moving up through your career, you know, learn learn your leader's job and figure out how to deliver value to them. And you'll unlock all sorts of opportunities um, that someone who just kind of shows up and does, you know, what's in their job description every day won't 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 have the opportunity to get. And then last, I think uh, this is one I've learned more recently uh, in my career, and I think I, I wish I would have known it a little bit a little bit earlier. And that's you know that's work hard, but balance your life. 
you know, balance it out with hobbies, service, travel, family, all those things that are outside of, of your professional uh, your professional space. It, it really does make you a better professional and a better person. It's easy to get caught, especially earlier in your career and, and, and in the middle of your career as you start accelerating in that linear race to the top, you know, especially if you're a high performer. And uh, I'm here to tell you that when you get to the top, you know, that chief communications officer role, there are a lot of great aspects to it. I loved every minute of, of being in that role when I was, when I was there at TE. Um, but none of it is worth extreme sacrifice of your personal life early in, 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 in the middle of your career. You don't have to do that to achieve those things that you, that you want to. And I think sometimes it's, it, it feels like you may feel like that, that you need to make those extreme sacrifices, um, but, but you really don't. And that, that having that balance really will make you both a better, uh, better person, uh, a better professional, and, uh, and a better leader as you, as you move up those, in, those, in those positions. BJ Talley, founder and president, Gladius Communications. The website is gladiuspr.com. I appreciate your time. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Evan. It was really great talking with you. And take care. We will see you next time. And we will have Gerilyn Green, who is the head of communications for Yum Brands, as our next guest. I'm Evan Makovsky, and we will see you next time.